Hi, and welcome to Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness and lifestyle podcast providing relatable conversations and encourage our listeners to strive for self-growth, self-reflection, and self-love. We are two therapists who just want to keep it real. We provide a safe and honest space for those who need an extra dose of connection with a no-bullshit filter. We're your hosts, Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Factor, and we welcome you to our space. We're so happy to have you here. Now let's get to it. So the other day, my coworker was telling me, did you know it's National Pickle Day? And I said, no, I didn't know because she knows I like pickles. And I once wore my pickle sweatshirt to work on casual Friday. And she was like, are you going to go home and eat a pickle? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not really part of the meal plan tonight, but maybe. And then I saw you had posted your pickle picture with your pickle ornament. Oh, yeah. And oh, I, to- yeah. I told her about it. And I was like, it's funny because I said, I don't. I don't know if Lauren puts up a Christmas tree because she's Jewish. And then I was saying to her, I was like, you know what? It's a great business idea doing like menorah charms. So you could like decorate your menorah with like little ornaments that like hang off the bottom. That would be cute. Right. Business idea. No one's allowed to steal that from us. Yeah. We're um, patting on that right now. (laughs) I'm like, why does that not exist? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Honestly, I don't even own a menorah. But I do own a mini Christmas tree where my pickle ornament sits, <laughs> but it's white. It's a white tree. So, so I did know about National Pickle Day. I had forgotten about it originally, but then I remembered and I had to just, you know, capture the day, capture the moment. Actually, I don't know if I told you this, but I had a, I like to call pickle on pickle crime happen. I was wearing my pickle shirt. I was having a really good day. And it was when the boo buckets came out at McDonald's and I was driving to go to trivia and eating my McDonald's cheeseburger out of my boo bucket. And the pickle came flying out of my cheeseburger with mustard and ketchup all over it and landed on my pickle sweatshirt and stained it. And it took me forever to get the mustard out of it. Like it was a hard cleaning job but now you can barely tell it's still technically there but the way that the sweatshirt's like heathered you can barely tell that sucks I know for for those who don't know the pickle sweatshirt we got our pickle sweatshirts on tiktok and they're matching uh tiktok shop so you could search pickle sweatshirt on tiktok and get yourself one if you love pickles but they're different pickle jars on a pullover which I love pullover sweatshirts I love pickles so it's the best of both worlds. Yes, it's super comfortable too. So highly recommend getting one. Yes. Um, so hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that intro. Um, Ryan and I are back for a solo episode, which we haven't done in a while because we've had all these awesome guests on. We still have some amazing guests coming up, but we thought, you know, it'd be a good time to say hello from just the two of us and talk a little bit about finding a therapist. Uh, Ryan thought that would be a good idea. I agreed. Um, We haven't really had a chance to talk about therapy in a while um, because again, we've had all these really cool guests on talking about other topics that relate to mental health, but this one will be informative for those who are thinking about going to therapy, going back to therapy, or just want to know how to find a therapist and all the things that come with it. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think that there's a really common way to find a therapist nowadays, and it's using psychology today because you can kind of type in, you know, what you're looking for, where you live, what insurance you have and all that good stuff and kind of pick from people. And then our favorite TikToker slash therapist, uh, Therapy Jeff, I don't know if any of you follow him. He also created a therapist uh, directory called Therapy Den, and it is awesome. You can put even more filters in if you want a therapist that shares your religion or sexuality, gender. Um, and I think even, you know, like groups you may be a part of, like body positivity or the LGBT, like, I mean, a, a lot of stuff that you can filter through on there. Yeah. So I would say that those are most often the ways that most people have been finding therapists, but you can also um, call your insurance provider if you're using insurance and ask for a list of people. Um, it also depends on if you're doing in-person or telehealth because telehealth, be, there'll be more of a, of a pool of people because telehealth can be seen across your entire state. So mm-hmm. let's take California, for example. You could see somebody in literally like Eureka on telehealth if you wanted to. Um, because they're licensed in the state of California, whereas in person is more specific, you're looking for the area you live in, um, which is absolutely fine. But just know that you're going to have more luck finding a telehealth therapist more than likely, just due to the wide range of therapists in your state. Yeah, I think that's the positive right now of telehealth. Um, And if you are a fan of your therapist, and you're doing telehealth with them, Definitely kind of like talk about that with people. I know that insurance companies and some of the states are wanting to try to like pull back on that as being an option. So the more you advocate for that to stay around, the better it is for you, the better it is for us. I mean, I think we're able to reach so many more people with the, you know, with the option of telehealth. So yeah, I, I, you know, if you like it, tell people about it. right to the people who run your state government and all of that fun stuff. So insurance companies don't take it away. I definitely still feel like telehealth has a lot of value to it. And of course, there's going to be people who maybe don't benefit quite from it, but that's when you would say, hey, you know, I need an in-person therapist. But I, I still feel like telehealth just has given more people opportunities to do it from their home, their car, have privacy issues. And also, you know, I think that, you know, as long as you have internet provider um, and Wi-Fi, it's pretty accessible compared to people. Cause I have a client I see in person who takes the bus and there's been a bus strike where in the area where I work. And I'm like, that, that makes it harder for a client to get somewhere. They don't drive. Um, or, you know, they're trying to take transportation, but there's a lot going on there. So, and I had no idea because I, I don't take public transportation. So, you know, keeping that in mind too. Um, and also with your work schedule, you know, like, do you have a like eight to 10 hour work day? Do you feel like going after work to see a therapist and also recognizing that most therapists don't work super late hours either. So, right. you know, you have to take all of that in, into account when you're looking for someone. I agree. And I think the nice thing about telehealth is it makes it so much more accessible in the way of just like what Lauren was saying, you know, if you work a long day or you don't really have a lot of time in your schedule to get in the car and go to a therapy office and come back, like that is so much time saved where you can set that aside 
to focus on yourself and have your therapy session, you know, not have to worry about kind of all of those pieces um, that are involved in that. But I think it's a good time to also talk about like just boundaries and like some good practices to have when it comes to going to therapy, seeking a therapist and, you know, both on your side as a client and like our side as the therapist, because I don't think this is something that's ever talked about, right? Like your doctor's office has, you know, most people have understanding there's clear boundaries in place, you know, like if you show up more than X amount of minutes late, then, you know, they have to reschedule you or charge you or whatever. And, um, you know, how hard it is to see your doctor, you're usually booking X amount of months, sometimes a year in advance to see your primary care, but nobody really talks about what that's like with your therapist, who is also a medical professional. Yeah, I think that depending on the industry or someone's personal ethics too, um, everyone is so different in what they will and won't allow. And so I think that speaking to your therapist and asking questions in the intake, how long will you wait if I'm late? Um, Because I only wait 10 minutes, whether that's in person or telehealth. And that's because I take insurance and our insurance billing, there's different tiers super complicated, but when you're late and, you know, especially if we don't hear from you, like we assume you're not coming and so we'll charge you or depending on the situation, you might get a free session. If you're, if the office offers one of those, my office does, you get one free one, definitely asking um, in the intake, what um, is the protocol for cancellations? Because Ryan has a different cancellation policy than I do. And for some um, offices too, like they just vary, you know, it could be 12 hours, 24, 48, and you don't want to get charged. We don't, we don't like to do that. We don't want to do that, but we also have to make a living too. And we want to support our clients. And I think that something that I've noticed, it's not a lot of modeling with boundaries. So we talk about it in session, but then I know therapists personally that won't follow through with their own boundaries. So how is that good for modeling for clients? It's not. And so that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that's something like I personally struggle with, like, you know, as a therapist, like we didn't go into this field for the money, even when we're charging you a no-show fee, like we're not rolling it in most of us and we're really caring about you. And like, we, you know, take your feelings into consideration and really don't want to hurt your feelings. But at the same time, you know, we are medical professionals. And like, if you don't show up or you cancel really close to your session or whatever it is, that is time that, you know, could have been given to somebody on the wait list or somebody else that really needs the support. And so we have to kind of hold those boundaries in order to make sure that our caseload is running smoothly and that we're able to help as many people as possible. And that we're dedicating the time to you in an appropriate way. Because if, you know, somebody else, shows up late to their session. And then we run into your session, which is after theirs, that's not fair to you. So, you know, it's kind of like a, in order to have a well-oiled machine, which can be difficult to do in general, um, we have to kind of have that boundary in place. Right. And also recognizing that, you know, let's say you want an in-person session, let's say you get off at five and your in-person session is, you know, set for six, but you always hit traffic and you're late most of the time. Like that's a good time to say to your therapist, Hey, you know, I, you've noticed, I've noticed uh, it's been one or two sessions. I've been late. Do you have another time available? Because I don't want to be late, you know? And I know that when, you know, when people are struggling, they're not thinking necessarily about these little um, 
these little tidbits, but these are important. And, you know, we're giving you the the opposite side, you know, what is it from a therapist perspective? Like we have empathy and we have care, but like Ryan said, we don't want your appointment to be affected, someone else's appointment to be affected. And that's, you know, again, good communication to say, I realize I've been late and I need a different time. And we work with you to the best of our ability but a lot of therapists too have wait lists for a reason, you know, and if you're going to be taking up that time of someone who really needs it and you're late or you late cancel all the time, like chances are your therapist is going to say, Hey, do you think you can make this happen or not? Because there's a wait yeah. list. And that's the way that I kind of see it. You know, most of my clients are really good about showing up on time and showing up for their session. But for the ones that are starting to slip, I, I talk to them and I say, hey, is this working? Because if it's not, let's figure this out and pick a different time. Or maybe I'm not the right fit for you. Right. And I think when you schedule an appointment with your therapist, similarly to your dentist or whoever, you know, you have to prioritize that. So if something comes up last minute you have to tell your boss, like, hey, I have, I have a doctor's appointment today at that time that's been scheduled. You know, if you need me around this time, like next week, then let me know and I'll make sure to reschedule my ongoing appointments, things along those lines. And it's boundaries for you and boundaries for us, um, which is really important. And I think another boundary too is, especially when it comes to telehealth, and I think a lot of us get in the habit when it comes to telehealth of multitasking. So knowing that when you have your therapy appointment, even if it's telehealth, like you still really need to focus on making your environment conducive to that appointment. So, you know, not having friends over, making sure you have privacy in a room or a space. And I know that can be hard for some people, but like really trying your best to prioritize that privacy for yourself and to minimize distractions, um, you know, not driving during your telehealth appointment, mm -hmm. not, yeah, you know, in the grocery store, like really just making sure you're somewhere private for your own benefit, because we're talking about some things that are really, you know, require confidentiality and all of that. Right. And a big one that a lot of people I think forget about, please don't show up high. Uh, please don't show up intoxicated. Listen, and the reason why I say this is, first of all, I, we don't, we don't show up intoxicated, you know, every session that I have is fully sober and it can really, um, can take away from the healing process and what we're talking about in session. People are like, oh, it's therapy. It's chill. I can just like casually. Well, yes. I mean, we are chill. Some of us are chill. It's meant to be, you know, comfortable and helpful, but it is still like a doctor's appointment. You know, it's still a, me a medical appointment. If you look at it like that, I mean, would you show up to the doctor high? Probably not. Don't show up to our sessions high, drunk, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. I mean, that's definitely a good conversation piece to have with the person as to, you know, yeah, time and place are important. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing too is, if you know you're running late, and I appreciate clients that do this, but it never seems to work out, is, you know, you're running late, you're hitting, you're sitting in traffic, or you're going to be sitting in traffic, and you're like, I don't want to miss my appointment or be late. You know, I would actually rather you 
just call me and tell me like, Hey, something popped up and I'm not going to be able to get home on time. Can we reschedule same day or somewhere in the week? Um, because for the most part, if you do your therapy session in your car, the, the service is not strong enough to like handle zoom or whatever. And we're going to have a lot of, um, disruptions, you know, the, the service is going to cut in and out and it's going to be hard to hear you, whatever, whatever. And I'm always willing to try it at first, but you know, as long as that's not a pattern where, you know, you're trying to make your appointment, you have to do it in the car, like totally fine. But yeah, let's talk about some boundaries that we as therapists should have towards our clients too. Yes. So my big one is, I, I think I already mentioned, but cancellation for me is a big one. For my place, it's 48 hours. If it's less than that, like my boundaries come from, do you know, like the protocols? Okay, you do. How has your mental health been? Have you been through anything super traumatic where you would forget something or there was a death or something that deeply affected um, your ability to plan and remember, right? So if none of that is affected and a client cancels less than the time where cancellation would be uh, allowed, I have a firm boundary on placing a charge fee. Um, so that's my personal boundary as far as, you know, I like to do a lot of modeling in my therapy. So I model boundaries. I set them. I follow through. I model communication. Please email me. You have my email. You need to reschedule. You can still email me on the weekend. I will not respond. But I always tell my clients, like, if you need to uh, send me a message with scheduling I will see it. I will get back to you when I see it. And that's the only time unless I state otherwise to email me. So I have a lot of boundaries around uh, communication because the way that some, <laughs> some therapists, unfortunately, are, are not able to set those boundaries. And what happens is they have uh, clients have access to their personal cell phone and will text them in a crisis I don't have that. I have a Google number that I said to all my clients and the only few that only a couple have it because that's the way we do scheduling. I said, you, you can text me for scheduling and that's it. And mm -hmm. there's been no issues. So I'll start with that boundaries around communication. Yeah. Well, and like, I think we should talk about too, like boundaries that therapists should have with like for their like client to therapist boundaries. So like for a client that's recently meeting with a new therapist, like what are some maybe like red flags they should look for that maybe their therapist doesn't have good boundaries. Oh, um, that's a good one. Yeah. And I mean, I think some of them, you, you touched on this a little bit around communication, you know, your therapist, really should not be like texting you back and forth about like an issue that's going on. Um, you know, they, they should say, okay, like, would you like to schedule an appointment and try to like set time aside for a, you know, one-on-one -on -one to talk about it in session. You really shouldn't be kind of like talking on the phone and all of that. However, as a therapist that's come from crisis therapy, where you're on call and there are people reaching out for support, I know that this line can get a little blurry depending on what field you work on, work in as a therapist. So mm -hmm. that's not true all the way across the board. It should still be that like, if you're having an issue, like you had session last week and you're, you're, um, 
you know, you, you're having a hard day and you reach out to your therapist, like you really shouldn't be saying like, Hey, I really, you know, what should I do in this situation or anything along those lines? It should be like, Hey, I'm really struggling extra this week. Can I make an appointment for as soon as you have available things along those lines? So I think that's one around communication. I'm trying to think of like, what else is kind of like red flaggy to look out for? Well, I would say like a lot of self-disclosure in the beginning. I don't know. Would you consider that part of this topic? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing with self-disclosure. This is my personal take. I think it's very helpful when it's appropriate. I always ask, hey, can I share a story from personal experience, lived experience, something like that. The client has never said no, but if they said no, I wouldn't share. But they always say yes, and they appreciate the fact that I'm able to talk about my own experience on certain topics. I only Mm -hmm. do that when it's appropriate. I only do that if it's relevant. But let's say you go into a session, it's the intake or the first session after the intake. Oh, yeah, like you're talking to your therapist. Oh, yeah, like that happened to me once. Let me tell you about a story of this situation and my life. If it's a lot about them in the beginning, that is a red flag to me because it is your session, not theirs. Um, Self-disclosure is not for every therapist, but for me, it's helpful. But you have to build rapport. You have to get that therapeutic relationship going for someone to go, you know, wow, like Lauren, I I trust Lauren. I know that she has my best interest. She's helping me. I would really like to hear a story from her about this topic that we're talking about because I think it would be helpful. So that is my personal take, but there are a lot of therapists uh, just like this is for every field. There's always going to be those outliers, right? That, you know, they know the rules, they know what they should be doing, but they don't do those things. Right. So um, something that I've heard from a lot of um, people that have been in therapy is that their, their therapist, the reason they didn't like them was because of the self-disclosure and they talked more about themselves than helping the client. Right. Yeah, no, I will agree. Like the longer you're in a therapeutic relationship with a client, the more you can get a a bit more casual, you know, like some of my clients know my dog's name and like, they'll ask how she is and all of that stuff. But I've been seeing those clients for three years and my dog has made a personal appearance in their session at some point in time, you know, but for, I have an example of my self-disclosure of when I was working with my therapist and the reason I ended up stopping seeing her was because we were really working on specifically like dating relationships for me. And she would bring up her relationship with her husband. And one, it wasn't relevant to me. And two, it took significant time away from my ability to talk about what I needed to talk about in order for her to share these experiences. And as they got more and more self-disclosure-ish, that's a word, um, the more I I finally decided like this isn't a good therapeutic match. So yeah, I definitely think, you know, trusting yourself and how you feel and communicating that to your therapist, right? Like if you can saying like, hey, you know, I'd really like a little bit more space to speak or whatever, if you feel comfortable doing that. So I think that's one for sure too. Right. And another one, another good boundary would be as a client, if you're sharing to your therapist, Hey, like, I really want to talk about, let's say uh, my, my parents' relationship, uh, my family relationship, and you vocalize that. And I would say, you know, once for me is enough. um, But for some, maybe twice, you know, you've mentioned at least twice, Hey, I want to talk about this topic. Your therapist is not taking that into account. You might want to have a conversation um, with them. And I, here's the thing: like, I think 
I think for some people, when they go into therapy, they expect the therapist to get it, to know it, but we're also human. Sometimes we're not able to understand where you're coming from, especially if there's a lack of communication, right? Um, And I think that as much as like we're responsible for the majority of sessions, clients have a responsibility too. Um, to say, hey, like, I don't find this topic very helpful. I really want to talk about this. Oh, okay, got it. Let's talk about that, right? Um, Just because we don't know, and it is not our full responsibility to know. So a good um, boundary to have, uh, I don't even know if it's considered a boundary per se, but is to communicate, hey, I need to talk about this. I want to talk about this. This has not been very helpful. And honestly, I know this is hard. And it sucks for us to hear, but if you are not feeling like we're helpful and sometimes the relationship has run its course and sometimes it's better for you to transition to somebody else. Yeah. And that can be hard. Like that's how I felt when I had to transition away from that therapist. I had been seeing her for like two years at that point. So it was a long relationship um, and I felt very uncomfortable doing it, but I had to do it for myself. It wasn't helpful anymore and that's okay, right? Like you could have a great working relationship with your therapist for months, years, whatever it is, and still feel like you just want someone else's perspective and that's all right. That's part of our job. So never feel bad saying, hey, I think I'm going to take a break from therapy right for now. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I really want to shift my experience by talking to somebody new and hearing some other perspectives. Like all of that's okay. Absolutely. I think that that's just so helpful to us too, because, um, you know, if, if let's say you're with a more intuitive therapist, like, you know, Ryan or myself, we kind of already know, like we know, you know, this client, I have a feeling they're going to stop soon for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be a negative reason. It could be, I just feel like I've helped them for the last year and they don't, they could use somebody else or take a break. And so we kind of already have an idea and rather than us have to be the ones to say, Hey, like, do you like this? Is this helpful? Do you want to keep seeing me? Um, it would be more beneficial to hear it from you. Like this has been so helpful, but I think I, I think I'm done. And guess what? We yeah. won't be mad at you for it. We'll actually yeah. appreciate the fact that you're able to come to that conclusion on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also like, you've been in treatment, like you've met all your goals and your therapist is like, Hey, you know, you, you did it. You met the goals we set. Like, you're coming to session and, you know, you can't really figure out what you want to talk about. Like it ends up being just us chatting about casual things after session, after session. Like that's also a big flag, not flag, like key to know that you're probably done with therapy for now. And it can be hard to stop coming to see your therapist. I know one of my clients is in that position right now where we've been working together for a very long time. And so your, your therapist might say, okay, well, let's start to you know, see each other less, maybe every other week, maybe once a month. And this client who's still not ready to let go, um, I see every other month at this point. And that's been helping make her feel comfortable enough to kind of say goodbye for the time being. Um, but it's hard, you know, we, we don't want to say goodbye either. If we've been no. working with you for a long time, we always wonder like what you're up to and all that. So it's mutual, but it is part of our job is for you to take what you've learned and move forward without us. So that's always a uh, positive, not a negative. Right. Exactly. 
And I think that it's, you know, the therapist can support you in transitioning, um, you know, helping find someone new or with the therapy journey from here on out. But I think you have to be the one too to determine, do I want to transition to someone new or do I want to take a break or am I done? Um, For instance, like I could have a client, we work on anxiety for a year, but then they start to have OCD symptoms. And I've been very clear, OCD has actually been popping up lately for some of my clients. I'm familiar with it. I know what it is, but I am not a specialist in it. And I've made myself very clear that like, if that ends up being the main area someone wants to work on, that would be a time to transition out. Like I gave you the support with anxiety and other topics, and now you're better with that, but you've got other things popping through. That would be a good time to say, I want a specialist in this area. I want to transition out. From a therapist perspective, the best kind of endings are the transition endings or the natural termination. We don't like ghosting, so please try not to do that. Um, We know where it comes from, but we still don't like it. And I would say that's the one thing for me that I, I just it's hard for me to get behind, but I understand that it happens. So it's like a catch 22, but you'll know, like, have you met all your goals? Are you done? Do you feel like you're feeling great? Guess what? You might feel great for a couple years for the rest of your life or a month. And you come back, you can always come back and see a therapist previously saw. You just have to reach out and say, Hey, I actually don't think I'm done. Can I see you again? And we keep the client charts for a long time. So (laughs) you're welcome to come back if there's space in their schedule. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So I feel like wrapping this up with just some tips on how to prepare for your therapy session, especially if you're new to therapy. Um, I know that it can be really anxiety provoking starting with a new therapist. I know that I get a little anxious during our first session too, because, you know, it's kind of like a first date, like you're meeting the person for the first time and talking about all these things about yourself. So personally, when I like to prep for my therapy sessions is I do telehealth. So I like to sit on the floor in front of my coffee table. I don't know why it's just cozy to me. And I like to put a blanket over my legs and I have my notebook there. And before my session starts, I like to kind of brainstorm some ideas of what's been going on for me the last week or so, you know, what do I really want to try to focus on for sure? Um, You know, what did I practice or work on or think about from our last session? Or are there things that like, I want to kind of like talk to her more about, talk more about my family or, you know, an ex or friends or whatever it is. And I kind of make all those notes. And then when she comes on the session, after we do our, what we call our therapy, small talk, we, I usually tell her, okay, like, this is what I focused on that I looked at and want to focus on today. So I want to go through these things. Um, And that kind of helps me stay on track too. I think that's perfect. I'm not currently in therapy, but I will speak on, I think what Ryan said is great. I will speak on the other side of being the therapist. And I will say that I personally like when clients write down things from the week or the past two weeks, depending on when I see them, just so we have an idea of something to start with. We don't have to fill up the whole session with that. But I think when, you know, and I've been getting this a lot recently, which is honestly not a bad thing. Hey, things have been good. I don't know what to talk about. Great. Things are good. You don't know what to talk about. Okay, well, let's. And then I kind of do like a run through of like major topic points, depending on the client. And we come up with something. But I think 
like Ryan said, you know, jotting down like what you want to talk about is just really helpful for both of us and gives us a good starting point. But if you're doing telehealth, I mean, you have the ability to get comfortable at home or in your car, wherever you're from, you know, you can wear pajama pants if you want. You can, I mean, it's not necessarily, yes, please wear clothes. Um, (laughs) You know, it's not the most encouraged, but I don't mind if clients are like laying down as long as they're like propped up, you know, if they're in their bed that's fine. I mean, I don't want them sleeping or like laying down like that, but like um, there is a little bit more flexibility with telehealth for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then, you know, like Lauren said, if you come into session and you don't know what to talk about, like you can kind of say, you know, Hey, you know, things are going well. I'm not really sure what I want to talk about today. And, you know, your therapist may say like, Oh, would you want to like, you know, talk through this or talk through that. And sometimes I find if I don't have anything particular to talk about, I like to pick some things that I may have noticed about myself recently. And I know not everyone's like naturally self-reflective, like that's a skill you kind of have to build, but sometimes I'll like think about like, Hey, you know, I kind of noticed this about myself when I felt anxious recently or, you know, X, Y, Z. And I kind of want to explore maybe why is that happening? Or, you know, how can I work on that a little bit, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I think all of that makes Makes sense. And, you know, I think at first I was like, how do we fill the space with this topic? Just because it seems so straightforward, but look how nuanced it was when we talk about it. I mean, there's (laughs) just so much that we can really say about this topic. Um, But I hope this was helpful for everybody who's in therapy or wants to be in therapy and is unsure how to navigate it. Um, just as a disclaimer, you know, these are our opinions. Um, Ryan's licensed in Connecticut. I'm licensed in California. This is, um, you know, our state, this is our ethics. This is what we feel is most helpful. So remember, we are not the, uh, end all be all for information. Keep that in mind, but hopefully this was helpful. Yep. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.